I mean, so he only threw two pitches. Well, two distinct pitches. He threw a lot more than two pitches. His fastball. I think between the two of them, had they pitched since 2018? Like, you know? I think he uh, threw one inning. One yeah. inning. And, yes. his, and his shoulder exploded. <laughs> If, if you had a Twitter slogan, Josh, it would be untag me, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and welcome to Artificial Turf Wars episode number 196, where we are working hard to increase our launch angle before opening day. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the studious Joshua Housem. Josh, how are you this week? I'm good, thanks. How about you? Uh, we, I'm excellent. Uh, we have uh, more about Nate Pearson's groin, which is an area I'm actually not that interested in on him, but I keep hearing about. Uh, we have Thomas Hatch's elbow. We have Vlad Jr. tearing the cover off the ball. We have Alejandro Kirk trying to get on the team with his bat, and it's like not violently by hitting other people with it. Um, you, Joshua Hassam, saw in person some of the pitching prospects, including uh, Alec Manoa, um, then we have a couple of questions, and then we have some gold stars, one for a former Blue Jay, and one for, I would suppose, a, a former Blue Jay nemesis, but uh, we're having spun, fun in spring training, so that's okay. Uh, in between all that, we have an interview with Stacey Gatsoulias of Locked On Yankees, because I know there's nothing more that you people want to hear than how great the Yankees are going to be this year. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Bef that, that's why people that... tune into the Artificial Turf Wars podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Before that, the, the ugly truth, before the ugly truth about the New York Yankees, uh, the ugly truth is that Nate Pearson is not going to be ready for opening day because his groin is not healed up. Yeah, it, it's too bad. And, you know, I think that it was kind of iffy what his role was going to be given, even if he'd come back from like right away when you know when he was throwing a second bullpen he still probably had another bullpen or two before he was going to be taking the mound so instead of being a reliever at the start of the season he's just probably going to start the season on the in, on the injured list and you know i think that pearson was going to be limited this year anyway you know like his career high in innings is 110 which he threw in college <laughs> you know well between college and his first year in the pros so he's probably going to be maxing at 130 or somewhere in that range so if this means he just starts a bit later and he's available to them at the end of the season, I don't think it's actually that big a problem. No, I think it's still a disappointment, though, because it's just another time where things did not go as planned with an injury and um, Nate Pearson. And that that's a trend you would like to see kind of broken at some point. Um, and I know that injuries are not the same injuries at all, but it just it, yeah, it seems like he's not uh not coming back the way you would hope so i think that's just it's it's another small red flag a yellow flag maybe i don't even think it's that to be honest i mean if you think about it like a guy doing it it's still like a really mild groin strain and he said he feels like way better today than he did yesterday so if there's a time when that's going to happen to a pitcher it's going to be spring training <laughs> okay I will stop making my argument that Nate Pearson has a big problem, um, and I will turn to the much easier to make argument that Thomas Hatch probably has a big problem. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you throw a pitch and then make a noise and then wave the trainer over after grabbing your arm, that that's how I understand it went down. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. 
You're going to have a bad time when. Yeah, usually. I mean, every now and then it's it's not that. Like, remember when Roberto Osuna walked off the field against the Orioles in the in the wild card game in 2016 and then he was pitching in the ALDS? I don't remember um, that, but that's good yeah, to remember, that, I guess. That is what that's why Francisco Liriano had to pitch as much as he did in that game. And you know, so sometimes a guy will throw something and he'll feel something and he'll be like, I need to come off the field right now. And that's actually not as bad as it seems because the guy's like at his first sign of discomfort, he's like, I'm walking off as opposed to, ah, oh, it's not that bad. I'm going to throw four more pitches and tear something. True. But also sometimes something that that owl is actually something tearing. So as, as oh, had, I think it's more likely that than not. Yeah. I mean, it's, has, usually has, when that happens, it's not good. <laughs> has Hatch had his MRI or whatever, whatever the next no. step is? No, he's going. He's going for for imaging probably tomorrow. We're recording this Wednesday. Um, right now, they're saying elbow slash forearm soreness. So like they're not they're not sounding the alarms, but it's it's definitely not good. I mean, it it really doesn't help their pitching depth that now Pearson is not starting and neither is Hatch available to step in. Kind of leaves them with Anthony K, TJ Zoik, and Trent Thornton, I guess. The acceptables, as we're going to call them. <laughs> yeah, be, I mean, I, I actually think that Anthony K could be really good. But yeah, I mean, before going into the spring, it was Hatch, K, Merriweather, Zoik, and Thornton. And then Merriweather had back soreness, so he's going back to the bullpen officially. Um, Hatch is now out. <laughs> And striplings in the rotation, so it's like it, you know, the depth is being tested very early. And it, yeah, it's March seventeenth. So we're we're still yeah. what two weeks roughly away from opening day. Yeah, I mean, the upside is if you know for Pearson, for example, like he should be back mid-April, and for Hatch, if it's not a major thing, he should also be back. You know, maybe beginning of May or something like that. You know, if it's major, then it doesn't matter when he did it, but. If it's not, it's better they did it now than, you know, a month into the season. But yeah, because now that the, the bullpen can be assembled from the parts, um, you know, n- knowing what you've got uh, yeah. appropriately. Yeah. Uh, cool. Should I move to better news? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do okay. that. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is tearing the cover off of the ball in the early going here which is a nice thing for me to be able to say, because I don't think he's really done that in quite a while at the major league level. Um, nine for 17, I think you told me when we were teeing this up. Yep. And he absolutely wrecked the Phillies the other day. Um, just lasering balls all over the ballpark. Three. Yeah, I mean, he had two. Go ahead. Yeah, he hit two balls off the very top of the fence for a double and a triple. A triple for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Stand- <laughs> he, well, he slid in, but it would have been a stand-up triple if he wanted it to be. Yeah, I mean, that's that's incredible. Um, and, and again, you're not seeing the ball on the ground as much. Now, I, I know this is a super small sample size, but he has a 19-degree launch angle in his 12 batted balls this spring. His best of any month, I think someone in, uh, I think Arden Zwelling maybe was looking this up. His best of any month in the majors was nine degrees. And the argument has long been, if Vlad can get the ball in the air, the ball will leave the park a lot. Yeah, and you know, the, the, this is the guy that 
people saw in the minor leagues, just seeing rockets over people, right? Um, you know, and, and then that's kind of what people were, I guess, expecting, for lack of a better term, when, you know, he lost all this weight and he showed up, you know, like it's like this could be better for his swing. Now he hit well in spring training last year, but he was also slimmer in spring training than he was in summer camp. And, you know, even from scouting reports that his arms and his swing is freer because he's down like to a much more manageable weight and he's moving better both on the base paths because he, you know, like the triple was the ball was bouncing around the outfield, but he got there pretty quickly and he's made some nice plays at first. So if there's anything you can take from a spring performance, I think that just the ease with which he's doing some things right now is what you got to look at. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely think the effort of of a 162 game season that grind requires um position players to be in in a good position um physically just from the endurance standpoint and and i i feel like absolutely vlad was not there last year and and even the year before like that extra poundage is poundage he has to carry around everywhere and it must suck after you know six or seven days in a row of of being on the field for three hours a night. Yeah. So if if he can, even if he gains weight as the season goes on, because a lot of players do that because it's harder to maintain your diet and harder to when you're on the road and harder to you know maintain the discipline when you're when you're doing, um, you know when you're playing every day as opposed to just training every day. I get it, but if he's starting at this point, that's awesome. Yep. Um. Okay, the other guy who's hitting, who is trying to make a case that he should be on this team, is Alejandro Kirk. What What are your thoughts on Kirk and the opening day roster? Whew. Um, you know, I think it's tough to give up, you know, uh, on, on a guy like Reese McGuire because he has some talent. You know, he's a good defensive catcher who he has hit okay. He's not a good hitter, but he's still a valuable piece, but at the same time, this is a Jays team that is trying to contend, obviously. And Kirk is just a very, very clear upgrade over what you're going to get from Mesa McGuire. And you know, I, they, you know, they're not going to be using him at DH this year, the way they did in the postseason last year, because they have these extra bats. But I mean, if they can get that kind of offense out of the catcher position, and then I think Jansen's going to have a much better year this year too. There are no holes in this lineup, and that just makes it so so hard to pitch against a team when there are no rest spots, which there have been in every Jays lineup, going all the way back even because Ryan Goins was in those 2015 lineups. Yeah, no, I think you have to go back to to their um, World Series year slash. I, I mean, I, I'm sure they had some good lineups with Delgado in it, but I mean, you're going way back to not have some serious soft spots in the lineup. Um, yeah. And, and it looks like the Jays are maybe doing something like this because he's caught Robbie Ray three times in a row. And one Robbie Ray is not an easy guy to catch. <laughs> <laughs> and so you'd, you'd probably want someone catching him who's going to be doing it in the regular season. So they're familiar with him. And Robbie Ray has been awesome working with Kirk now spring training and Robbie Ray's also just throwing way harder than Kirk is not controlling that, but he's working with the big leaguers and specifically this big leaguer. So I think that signals that the Jays are probably planning to bring him 
well not north but like <laughs> keep him in dunedin <laughs> which is the exact opposite of the way keeping him in dunedin would normally work but we we trust you to understand us folks oh my goodness um so yeah i think i think this is probably other than the outfield glut it's probably the best problem the blue jays have had in spring training in a while is it yeah and yeah catcher who can genuinely hit right exactly and and so i I mean there was a a piece from jeff passan at espn where they were quoting some manager who said he should be the jays starting catcher right now like that's how well this guy's regarded around the league and if that's your backup catcher, I mean, the Jays, even your, when you have your backup catcher in the lineup, it's not going to be a rest spot if Jansen hits the way I think he's going to hit. Yeah. I mean, and I think what, what remains to be seen with Kirk is, um, with Vlad, is, is, is the weight and the conditioning going to be a problem over a 162-game season? The advantage is Kirk doesn't have to play every day to be valuable to the team. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's your two pieces of good news. Are you going to give me more good news because you saw a bunch of the young kids uh, pitching? Yeah. Not the same ones so for, for once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the first what four games I saw, I went to five games. It was this. It was the same guys over and over and over again. <laughs> um, I did see Kirby Yates, who looked fine, but I only saw eight pitches because he worked through the inning so quickly. But the ones that were special to see, essentially, it was I was at that game against the Yankees where. The Jays rolled out only prospects. And I got to see Alec Manoa, Simeon Wins Richardson, CJ Van Eyck, Adam Kloffenstein. And I'll, I'll talk about those guys. There was one more pitcher, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> Alec Manoa, I don't know if people were watching on that field cam, but his slider is dynamite. Um, it, it is, it's like a legitimate two plane break. That's, you know, with with late movement, you know, perceived late movement, because the ball doesn't actually move late. And he can spot it. And, and, you know, when he mixed that, he was sitting 93 to 96, 94, 95 for much of it. You know, he was moving in, out, up, down with that slider, and they just could not do anything with it. I don't put too much stock on the actual seven strikeouts in a row, but the stuff was absolutely real. This is the kind of thing you want your young pitchers to show early is not only the raw velocity that we see from Nate Pearson, but the the sense of a mastery of additional pitches and locations. So I think that's super happy, you know, to hear. And I mean, I don't know how far away he is from the majors, but um, that that if, if he can maintain anything like that velocity and that that uh, quality of pitch that's awesome for the blue jays you don't hear about prospects who do that yeah he he threw a couple changeups i only noticed the one which he was a strikeout pitch on Derek dietrich of course Derek dietrich strikes out all the time um but if that if that develops that's a frontline starter repertoire with a good fastball white strikeout slider and a good changeup so I, I don't I don't want to put that kind of pressure on the guy. I mean, he's never pitched above above short season ball. <laughs> you know, it's like he was drafted and then the season, the world went to hell. So you know, it'll be interesting to see where he's assigned. I think it's they might put him in double A just because he's good enough to do that. And he's not you don't want to really go from Vancouver to triple A. <laughs> right. 
Um, Woods Richardson. What did you see? Yeah, so both he and Manoa threw three innings in the game. Woods Richardson has the last... I, I, I tweeted this, but... He has the less visually impressive stuff. Like you watch Manoa and it's like it's swing and miss stuff, all of it. <clears throat> Woods Richardson's a bit different. He doesn't have an overpowering fastball. He was 91 to 93 topping in the game, 91, 92 mostly. And, but his fastball has really good carry on it. It's like, like an Estrada style fastball. I think it's just a very high spin one. And his changeup looked really good. He got some really ugly swings on his changeup. The curveball was. Good, uh, like it was, it was you know a nice nice pitch, but his, his location of it wasn't super consistent. But you could see also why the team likes him with that high spin fastball and the two solid, if developing, off speed pitches. Nice, and that's then CJ Van Eyck. Yeah, he was terrible. <laughs> now that we get the honest scouting report here at Artificial Turf Wars, little this, little that. Oh, yeah. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so he only threw two pitches. Well, two distinct pitches. He threw a lot more than two pitches. His fastball was... <clears throat> every single one he threw was 94 or 95. And he actually had a curveball that looked very good. I mean, he got some goofy swings at it, but he had no command whatsoever. And it's just really hard to assess a guy properly when he's just not throwing strikes. I think he threw tw- um, two two balls for every strike. It's not what you want. As uh, it's not, and he he got no outs. And also, give up five are, runs. Those uh, are important. Yeah, and again, like I don't put much stock in the results in spring training, but he just was he had no command, and I only saw two pitches. So if you're gonna have two pitches, you better command them. And lastly, but not leastly, Adam, because I hope not leastly, Adam Klaffenstein. Yeah. So not leastly, he was. Not throwing as hard as the reports have said about him. Yeah, you know, he's supposed to be a guy who touched a hundred over the when he was playing in independent ball because he wasn't at the alternate site. He was sitting around ninety-three, touched ninety-five, ninety-six, I think, but his sinker is a power sinker. And he got some ugly swings on on his fastball, which like and it's not like guys swinging under it, guys swinging over his fastball, which you don't see a whole lot. That's like Zach Brick Zach Britton kind of territory. Um, it's, same thing with with uh, like with Wood Richardson, where I saw a couple very good breaking balls, but I also saw a few not so good. You know, he's you know he's much younger, right? Well, not much younger. He's just farther behind developmentally. And the, again, the pieces were there to see why the club is so high on him with that good fastball and a few a flashing a very good breaking ball at times. So overall, uh, three out of four, that's not bad uh, in a report where you, you know, you don't know what you're going to get when they roll out a bunch of prospects. <laughs> Seems to have yeah. uh, come up pretty good in the wash. Uh, is that pretty much your your take on the spring training uh, goings on from your seat? Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen, like I said, the seen the same pitchers over and over and over again. And they all did really well every time, right? So... This, this is sort of a spring training take, but so now that Julian Merriweather is going to be in the bullpen, I am so confident in the group that's Yates, Romano, Barucki, Dolis, Merriweather, Phelps, Chatwood, and then probably Liriano and AJ Cole, 
Trent Thornton, you know, one of these guys. And I, I, I think that could be one of the better groups in baseball. I like, obviously there's some health risk with some of those guys, but I'm just so impressed with, especially Romano Barucki and Phelps, the way they've looked this spring. And, you know, we know what Yates is and we know what Merriweather can do. So I think it could be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, the Blue Jays bullpen was not a problem last year, and it seems that they have um, only only solidified things from there. So consider yourself all caught up for this week, folks, uh, which is to say I think we're just going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back with Stacey Gatsoulias, and we're going to talk about that other team in the American League that we haven't had a chance, or American League East, uh, that we haven't had a chance to get into, the New York Yankees. happy to welcome back to Artificial Turf Wars our uh, local authority on the New York Yankees, Stacey Gatsoulias of Locked On Yankees. Stacey, welcome back to our little program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. No problem at all. No problem at all. The the uh, the Big Apple um, is uh, somewhere where we're always looking for someone with some insight. So what we want to know I guess right off, right off the, the hop is the big story for us. Anyway, I guess is there's no Zach Britton um, for the Yankees to turn to. Is that going to be a big problem? And what happens in his absence? Um, it could possibly be a big problem. I think losing Zach Britton compounded with trading away out of Eno, compounded with losing Tommy Canely, um makes things a little iffy there in the bullpen. But there have been guys who have shown up to spring training literally out of nowhere doing well. Um, Lucas Lecky, who hasn't played in the majors since 2015, is basically the Yankees' best pitcher right now in spring training, and he's he's trying to fight his way onto the roster. He's a lefty. He can come in and do what Britain was doing. Uh, there's Nick Nelson who could possibly step in. Um, I mean, they have options, so it's not totally dire, but it's not the best situation, really. And the fact that, you know, they announced the surgery, then the timetable for him to return kept changing. And now it looks like it might not even be until June. So that's that's a big loss. I mean, they have people they can plug in. They just have to hope that um, their starters can last a little bit so they don't have to rely on the bullpen so much, but I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll get to the those starters in a sec, but you, you mentioned Adam Ottavino. I mean, that trade, if we can call it that, I mean, <laughs> I mean <laughs> that sale, I mean, what is that like when, you know, you're a Yankees fan, you understand the resources that that club has to see them making a trade where they give away a really, really good reliever for nothing just to reset their luxury tax right um it angered me because i'm one of those people i think every baseball team should spend money i i it drives me crazy that these billionaire owners are just sitting on their hands and running out you know a a team with a payroll that's less than what Trevor Bauer will be making this season. So I think every team should spend money. I think it's ridiculous that the Yankees, the evil empire, the people with 
the most resources out of everyone, the biggest market, this and that are, you know, nickel and diming and basically jettisoning, jettisoning Adovino to Boston of all places, basically because he had one bad game against the Blue Jays in 2020. <laughs> yep. You're welcome. <laughs> you <know? laughs> what? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I, I'm one of those people, you know, 2020 was just an odd year for everyone in every sense of the word. You know, the season was odd just because it was so short. You know, 60 games is not a big, people will think it's a big sample size, but it's really not. Not in the grand scheme of things, not in a normal 162 game season. 60, 60 games is small. And I feel like some guys were penalized too much for what happened last season. And some guys were rewarded, <clears throat> Trevor Bauer, too much <laughs> for what happened last season. And I just feel bad for Adovino um, that that happened. And because of the reason, like, you know, their excuse was the luxury tax thing. And the excuse for doing it was his his numbers, his bloated numbers that really only happened because of that one bad outing. So that's just it's it's annoying. I, I liked Adovino. Adovino. I know he had issues, but man, when he threw that that one pitch that where it looked like a it just was like a wiffle ball. It was amazing watching him. So I don't like that he's on the Red Sox because I feel like he can um he, I don't like when any of the players go to any rivals. I was afraid DJ LeMahieu was gonna go to the Blue Jays in the offseason. <laughs> and and I was terrified that he was just gonna, you know, um, especially joining that lineup. Uh <laughs> just beat up on the Yankees. I was also fearful that, you know, you mentioned uh, Clint Frazier. You were going to make fun of him. Um, I was afraid that the Yankees were somehow going to trade him away and he would somehow make it to the Blue Jays and just pound on them for 19 games a year. And I'm glad that hasn't happened yet. So, yeah. So that's just the, Adovino I, to strike out those break-handed hitters in the middle of the lineup for you. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Right concept, wrong division rival. You know, it's just it's just how it goes. <laughs> Um, so again, I, I don't know if this is a reflection on this, the whole luxury tax thing or not, but, but the, the, the ads that the, um, the Yankees had in the starting rotation are Tyon and and Corey Kluber. And both of those guys have, I would say, big question marks beside their name, which is not the way the Yankees usually go into the season with a rotation. Right. Um, it's just, it's amusing to me. After the last three seasons that they're that they did this, considering just two seasons ago they set a record for guys on the IL and time spent on the IL, and they're signing guys who haven't. I think between the two of them, have they pitched since twenty eighteen? Like, you know? I think he uh, threw one inning, one yeah. inning, and right. his and his shoulder exploded. <laughs> right, <laughs> and it's, I I mean, yeah, it's one of those. Is it? No, it's high risk, high reward, because it's a high risk. You're you're putting two guys in there that you're not really sure how they're going to do. You know, they they didn't. Well, I didn't want them to resign Jay Happ. I'll say that right now. Um, I was disappointed with how James Paxton's tenure was with the Yankees because, you know, he had some really good moments and just the injuries caught up to him. Wasn't happy about them giving away or letting uh, Masahiro Tanaka go away. Um, and just to have basically the guys who could be your two and three be such question marks in the rotation is frightening to me. Uh, 
But if it works out, the Yankees, of course, will look like geniuses. So who knows what's going to happen? But yeah, that's scary. <laughs> See, and I guess so this kind of raises the pressure a little bit on guys like Jordan Montgomery, David Garcia, or Domingo Herman, whoever ends up being the four or five guys in that rotation to really, you know, those guys are not, well, Garcia is the rookie, but Montgomery and Herman are not exactly, you know, pictures of stability. Right. Well, I mean, Montgomery did pretty well today. Um, you know, he's looking better. He's coming, he's, he's coming back from Tommy John. Um, he was working his way back last season. Um, he, texts regularly with CC Sabathia and Andy Pettit to the best lefty pitchers the Yankees have ever had. And I like the fact that they're mentoring him. And I think that that can really help him a lot. Um, I feel like someone like Corey Kluber could help him a lot, even though they joke that he doesn't really talk a lot. Um, I feel like his experience, I feel like Garrett Cole could help Jordan Montgomery. I like the idea of the veterans helping the kids out. Um, I'm interested to see how Davey Garcia does in his second year in a full year. Um, Domingo Herman. Huh. Um, <laughs> well, there's a whole, there, there's that whole, uh, oh. um, domestic he's, abuse he's problem a- outside of anything on the field right. that, right. that I, I don't think anybody gets any free passes for in my book anyway. Oh, I just, oh God, it's I'm so annoyed that he's back. I understand why he's back. It's a business thing, but it's just so hard having both. You know, I don't want to root against people on my own team and I don't actively root against them. But when Chapman gives up a big home run in the playoffs, I can't help but laugh because he's a garbage human being. So (laughs) I feel the same way about Domingo Herman. I'm not going to actively root against him. But, you know, if he gets shelled for six runs, it's going to be pretty funny. (laughs) It's an awkward spot. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, That's why we were not upset when we did not have to decide what how to root for Roberto Osuna. Right. Yeah, I mean the team did went went the wrong way about doing the right thing for us. Shrug emoji. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um okay, so because we don't have an answer for that. It's not it's not that I think that that's a subject that isn't worth going over. But I I don't have an answer for what you do with Aroldis Chapman's and, and Domingo Hermans in this world. Right. Um I'm going to move to a good problem, perhaps, for the Yankees to have in that there are a lot of players to fill the outfield and DH time, and, and a lot of them seem to be pretty good. Um, how, do, how do you think that ends up shaking out as, we, as you actually get into the season? Um, I've said this on my show. Um, if you see Giancarlo Stanton manning the outfield, something catastrophic has happened to everyone else. <laughs> I do not want to see him in that outfield. And I know that Boone was saying it, I think last week, and maybe Stanton was also saying it, that they were going to have him out in the outfield. I don't want him anywhere near the outfield. I cringe enough when he's running the bases. I don't need to see him trying to run after a fly ball and pull something, which is what usually happens. Um, I know they're going to try and put Brett Gardner out in right. Test him out there to see how he does out there, because right now it looks like Clint Frazier will be the starting left fielder, Aaron Hicks center field, Aaron Judge right field. Um, I was happy they brought Brett Gardner back simply because 
I felt like it would have been sad for him to have his last season not be in front of fans. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be the same this season because there won't be as many fans, but at least there'll be someone in the stands. I mean, you know, he's the longest tenured guy. He's been around since 08. He's the grizzled veteran on the team, and it just would be nice to see him go out on a better note than not playing in front of fans. Um, I do not want to see him starting over Clint Frazier. Um, That was my biggest worry, though. You know, I had the two sides of me, like, I wanted to see him come back, but then the other part of me was thinking, oh, God, Boone's going to play him over Frazier. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, I mean, Frazier's... Sorry, well, Frazier was definitely very good. But Gardner was... He was still pretty good last year, even though he wasn't, you know, it was, you know, oh, it was, okay. was like 354. Right. I mean, this is why it's like one of those good problems. I mean, well, the Jays actually have the similar thing where the Jays fourth outfielder is Randall Gritchuk. But, you know, it, it might, I could see how it could potentially cause some issues. I don't think Gardner wanted to come back just to sit on the bench. Right. Um, well, I mean, you know, Aaron Judge seems to be made of glass, so he might be playing <laughs> right field. Is there something more brittle than glass? <laughs> yeah, Giancarlo Stanton. Oh! <laughs> yeah, Ouch. Ends, um, you know, we got a glimpse of what Stanton can do in the playoffs when he's healthy last year, and that was nice to see. It would be great to see that over a full season again. <laughs> yeah. Not for anyone else, but for no. us. <laughs> no, yeah, thank you. Thank you for thinking of us for just a brief, shining moment there. <laughs> All right, so... Then, I mean, yeah, just like so. The, the nice thing is about you know from a Yankees perspective, even with the brittle Judge and the brittle Stanton, you still have LeMahieu, mm-hmm. Torres, Urshela. <laughs> it's like that's <laughs> pretty good depth in in that lineup. But there's not really a hole, even if you know depending on what you think of Gary Sanchez. I mean, there's pretty good offense all around the diamond. Right. That well, that's true. And I I I can see a bounce back year for Glaber. He had kind of a rough 2020 because he. He admits he wasn't really in the best of shape, um, which is annoying to hear, but at least he admitted it. Um, (laughs) I'm hoping that Gary Sanchez has a bounce back season because, I mean, you have to bounce back from 147, I would think. We'll see. Um, We have two catchers who are trying to answer that question as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's... uh, it is quite a lineup. I mean, you know, you mentioned Urshela. I mean, I still am just in shock of what he was able to do basically coming out of nowhere. Well, he came out of Toronto. That's where he came out of. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, for cash, right? Wasn't it for cash? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, it's great for him that he kept it up because, you know, 2019 was that odd year where like i said everyone was on the dl but the il but everyone who was plugged in did something and then when they kind of fell off another guy would be the big hitter and um it's good to see that urshela kind of kept that up in 2020 um you know is it the best third baseman no but when he makes crazy plays it's fun to watch that is that is the yankees devil magic that's what that is We (laughs) we we don't like it um it made vernon wells into a legitimate threat for like three weeks um, so I'm, I, now I'm going to move to Clint Frazier because we talked about him as the starting left fielder. So I would like, I would like you to know, did you see this quote today from Clint Frazier about the Blue Jays facility in Dunedin? Uh, no. So um, I, I, I will s- read it to you. Um, okay. I, it's, it's okay. You don't have to read every beat reporter's BS in spring training. Um, 
he so Clint was asked about whether he liked the facility. He does not like the facility. He said, "quote The way that the reflection comes off those seats, it's really bright." Unquote. The twenty-six-year-old said, "quote It reminds me of the Dodgers spring training stadium." Whenever I played in Cleveland, it's just really hard backdrop considering how much reflection seems to come off those chairs. And then you factor in no clouds in the sky. It's just a really high sky and it makes it semi-uncomfortable setting in the outfield. End quote. That sounds a whole lot like I'm not a very good outfielder and I don't want full-time play out there. It's difficult. No, that's not true because Aaron Hicks was on... Aaron Hicks was on the Yankee broadcast on Monday and they had him mic'd up. So he was talking to Michael Kay and John Sterling. And uh, it was that kind of a sky where there was no clouds in the sky. And he said, you know, spring training, because uh, he kind of got a late jump on a ball, but he still caught it. And he said that without the second deck, um, it's a little harder to read the ball when it's in the air because it goes right into the sky instead of there being those other levels of seats above the stadium. So it's a little different in spring training, which I can see. I mean, I don't know how any, any of those guys do anything. I sit out in the outfield. <laughs> I can't even see the ball. <laughs> it was just, you know, from a Jays perspective, it was just kind of funny because last year you talked about that game that Adam Arvino had where he blamed the lights mm-hmm. as a pitcher. <laughs> it's like, well, it can, just, we, can we do nothing right for you <laughs> yeah but but it was, it's just sort of a funny thing because one of the things that they they say here is that they like hearing these kind of things they want people to be having being uncomfortable coming into their park because you know it's like they're playing there every day so they'll be very used to the way the ball comes off the bat and up in the sky so i think that this kind of quote is actually a, a good thing from a blue jays perspective right well, it shouldn't be a thing that gets anyone angry. <laughs> no. It, no, it makes us enjoy. It gives us smiles. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's funny. It's like, oh, man, it's really difficult playing the outfield out here in the outfield. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to hear about that. Uh, and, and we have to joke about these kind of things, by the way, because the Yankees are awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I was about to come opponent. to is, is the part where um, I'm, I'm going to make it seem like you have some accountability for the things that you say on the rest of this, uh, this segment, which is uh, what, what position do you believe that the Yankees are going to end up in the division and, and how many games is, 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 is it that they are going to have to win to get there? If, okay, if they stay healthy, which is probably not going to happen. Um, oh, God. He's not here to help you right now. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't really even believe in that stuff anyway. <laughs> I just say forgot all the time. Um, see, it's so funny because there's some years where I can predict this almost. I, well, no, I have predicted um, seasons correctly record-wise. Um, on the nose, like a few times. I don't, I can't feel anything right now. I don't know if it's too early for me to feel it, <laughs> but. Maybe I mean, your predictions I, are based off of the previous season's win total. And there's this calculation no, that you can't do anymore. Just, just like no, in your gut. <laughs> because uh, 2014, I predicted they were going to go 84 and 78 and they did. And it wasn't off of 2013. That was just the number that popped into my head. And I said, yeah, I don't see them doing really great. And that was what I predicted. And I was right on the nose. And I wrote it in an article for ESPN. And I got so many people mad at me. (laughs) How dare you? Only 84. (laughs) What is wrong with you? You don't know anything. And then at the end of the season, I wanted to be like, you were saying? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, that's, that's why I say we pretend you have accountability because nobody goes back to these predictions with any any honesty. Um, oh, I can tell you one. <clears throat> and I've told this story before. April 20th, 1997, I was on the phone with my father. I was up at school <laughs> talking about baseball. And he says, so who do you think is going to win the World Series this year? And I said, the Marlins. He goes, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, the Marlins. He says, you you think the Marlins are going to beat the Braves in the NL and then someone's going to beat the Yankees? I said, yeah. I said, the Marlins are going to win the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> the night the Marlins won the World Series, he calls me up. <laughs> he goes, why didn't you bet on that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could have got a nice line. He's like, what's he actually said, what's wrong with you? You should have bet on it. <laughs> I'm not a betting person. but My next yeah. question for you would have been, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Ugh, I don't even care about the Super Bowl. You wouldn't have so to. Annoyed. You just predicted the World Series out of out of nothing. <laughs> I know. Well, it was it was funny because I don't know. It was something about I don't know if it was. I can't remember why something had happened. And I was just like, no, I think the Marlins are going to do well this year, and I feel like they're going to surprise everyone and win the World Series. I don't you get, know. You get to talk about that one forever. That's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, I remember the exact date I was on the phone with him because it was just, it was so funny. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I think the Yankees will finish first. I think it's going to be close, though. I think you guys are going to be, you know, your team's going to be a pain in the ass. Um, I like the fact that I, I think it's funny. Um, I've been on a couple of Boston podcasts, and one of them is realistic about their chances and the other one is very rah-rah Boston thinking they have a chance at stuff this year I don't think they do I think Boston and Baltimore will definitely be in the bottom Baltimore all the way at the bottom then Boston um I think the Jays finish second it'll be very close I feel like it'll be like uh 2012 when the uh Orioles were on the Yankees heels I feel like it could become that because both teams have question marks pitching wise, but the offenses are insane. And I feel like both teams can win games where they're scoring, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 50 runs, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's how I feel. I feel like it's going to be close. I just think if the Yankees can stay healthy and everything clicks, I feel like they can win the, the division. All right, I'll let you off the hook without the direct number because you, you've you've obviously limited them to under a hundred games if it's going to be that close, and also right. probably more than ninety. Um, right, I, you know, maybe like ninety four, ninety four. We'll say ninety four right. wins. Ninety four wins, and uh, we, we we will we will just prorate that to what however many games are actually played in what might still be a very weird season. Oh yeah, well that's true too. You got to think about that. <laughs> How many doubleheaders can you imagine? Uh, oh. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, thank you for joining us, Stacey, and answering all of our uh, good and lousy questions. Um, we appreciate <laughs> you. We appreciate you dropping by, folks. Uh, you can check out uh, Stacey at Locked On Yankees uh, and your Twitter handle, uh, Stay Scotts. Awesome. Um, you. Uh, We'll probably drop in on us at one point during the season if you have the time, because there is always an important series between the Blue Jays and Yankees when they're either of them are half decent. Oh, yes. All right. Thanks for uh, coming by and chatting. Thank you for having me. Bye bye. And we are back. Um, is is it 
Is it true, Josh, that you're higher on the Yankees than Stacey Gatsoulias is? Yeah, I think they're going to win 100 games. <laughs> That's why I'm, I'm clinging to things like, you know, Fraser's comments and, and, <laughs> and the risk in their rotation. It's like that team is good. They're well, really, really good. So, I've yeah, heard, I, I, I've I heard... think they're going to – I don't – I think – I think the Jays are going to be a contender, but I don't think it's going to be for first place. Well, I've heard enough out of you. Let's talk to the listeners. Time now to hear from our listeners. <laughs> that just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? I can't believe I'm still going to let you answer questions while you uh, while you give the truth on the Yankees. Um, so maybe I should let you answer the first question. Let's change it up. Okay, sure. All right, from Lockdown Sad Boy, Luke. <laughs> your way. At Split Letters. Like the Raptors with Osmos. What local restaurant slash chain should have a deal with the Jays and what player should star in the commercials? Um, First of all, I I know this is not a restaurant, but I cannot believe that the Blue Jays have not gone back uh, or that that McCain specifically has not gone back to the well with the Blue Jays player after the iconic Roberto Alomar's catch the taste that still from the 1990s resonates with people. So I'm I'm disappointed. McCain punch. Still another slogan, 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 because of that ad. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, I, is there is Osmos an actual local restaurant chain? I don't know. I, I don't even know what it is. There we are. <laughs> That's how well it's working for the Raptors. Um, I feel like I feel like it's the Jays and Pizza. It's always the Jays and Pizza. Is is it Pizza Nova? And I mean, Alejandro Kirk looks like he's a good pizza advertisement himself, doesn't he? (laughs) I knew you were going to pick him. (laughs) Uh, That was probably not nice. I'm going to, okay, I'll give you a chance to offer your fine dining option for the Blue Jays to promote. I think you should get someone like one of the weird guys like Danny Jansen and Ryan Barucki who are like, if you watch them doing live things, they're a little goofy, get them doing like a fancy restaurant just so they have to try to take things seriously. That's what I want to see. The restaurant probably doesn't want to do that, but I don't care. I'm taking the question my own way. Matt Thomas at Thomas Matt C asks uh, for you, Josh, not a Jay's related question, but obviously he's been creeping on you on the Twitter. How can you stay so level headed with some of the replies to your tweets? Those kind of takes are why I really don't engage on Twitter. Well, first off, some of the people would say I'm not being level-headed. I don't know. It's like some people have bad takes or takes that I consider bad. I don't pretend to be the authority on this. Um, Well, I guess I do with some of my replies. But, you know, it's like everyone's going to have weird opinions, me included. And there's no sense getting too upset at it. If if you had a Twitter slogan, Josh, it would be untag me, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the number of times. The, the long conversations <laughs> going on in my mentions. I'm not a fan <laughs> of that one. The number of times I've seen Josh back in, a, in the chain somewhere. Untag me, please. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> if you're going to continue this, untag me, please. I've, I've said yeah. what I had to say. Untag me, please. I think that is a good way to keep your cool on Twitter is to uh, bail out of the conversation at whatever point you personally are done with the conversation. I think I think it's a great strategy. It's also a great uh, a great slogan. Uh, 
Matt noticed that we did not have. And Matt is also appears to be a baby penguin, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> okay. um, so first baby penguin we've had asking questions. Um, he says, given that we don't seem to have a ton of questions this week, uh, how about that six man rotation? Uh, no, seriously, ask. Actually, tell me how you see bullpen roles working out. Um, I think you covered the guys you that have stood out to you, but but how do you see closer, setup man, um, long man kind of thing shaking out right now? Yeah, so I think that the clear back of the rotation, back of the bullpen, rather, is Yates closing, Romano set up, and then uh, Brucky and Dolis will be the seventh inning type guys, depending on matchups. I think like, those are the back four. From there, I could see them doing anything really with Chatwood, Merriweather, Phelps, just sort of using them on a on a needs basis, you know, it's the same with Liriano kind of thing. Like, I think that those guys will be pitching, you know, in the fifth and sixth inning, or like depending on who's coming up in the lineup. I think if and if guys need a rest, you can see Merriweather pitching the seventh or eighth. But those four guys, I think, are less likely to have a very specific role as compared to the first four that I mentioned. There you go. And that that concludes the questions, which means we can move on to handing out our other uh, our other event worthy things. Now, I think we've we've become kinder and gentler, or something, in the last couple of weeks because we seem to have more gold stars uh, than we do do overs, or maybe the world has just improved and we didn't notice. So let's start with a gold star like this. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Uh, we have two, so we will we will save the former Blue Jay till last. I think um, I will go to uh, Do Hyung Park's tweet. Um, he asked Nelson Cruz um, if he thinks that playing the field in an NL park is a lost cause, uh, and Cruz claimed that he had complained to Rocco, the manager, um, that Estudio Estudio, yep, uh, is allowed to play right field, but he's not. And then a studio overheard this and said, what are you doing? I'm trying to make the team shut up. <laughs> when your teammates like get away from the manager, I, I have work that I'm trying to do here. Uh, that's just hilarious. It's, it's so good. I love spring training silliness like this. It's just it, people are having fun. I think that's why we're in a better mood and <laughs> not giving out do oh. overs left and right. Although we've had a couple, have had a couple, um, you know, it's, it's the time of people just enjoying life and baseball. And Williams Astillo is correct. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> no, I, got, I have enough problems without you. Mr. What is, what is Cruz now? Like 42. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't need to be on the field. It's fine. Don't ruin, don't. What's the, the Ricky from Voice? Don't blow this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, gold star to... I'm going to give a gold star to Park for passing that on and uh, Cruz for admitting that, that the whole thing went, went down. Uh, you had another one that you found. So, there is a blanket rule on this podcast if something comes up that references major league, we talk about it. <laughs> um, but this one is just awesome. So Liam Hendricks was taking his photos. You know, they do, they do picture day at the park. Remember that a few years back, 
Troy Tulowitzki was acting like a pitcher because the photographer didn't know who he was. Well, this one, Liam Hendricks's photo is him holding a bat, wearing shades in his White Sox gear. And he is 100% doing Jack Parkman from Major League Two. Everything about it, the facial hair, the length of his hair, the shades are the same ones he wears earlier in the movie. The, the stance, it's just amazing. The stance posture is perfect. Someone took took a screenshot and put it right below Hendricks's photo day shot. And you can see it to me, it's like you can even see the same number of letters on the jersey. He's got it ex- he's got it figured out. It's, it's so good. It's major league two, so it's not quite major league, but it's all the same thing. It's oh Liam Hendricks, why did you have to not come home? Yeah. Yeah. It it oh, is right. $54 million. That's the reason. But uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. We probably didn't have that for you to be a late inning reliever. But that's okay. That's okay. We still we still are going to show you the love. And you can pick up your gold star at our offices as soon as we locate them. <laughs> oh, man. So we've, we've, we've run, we run the whole gamut, which means that we are coming down to the end of said podcast again. And that's the point at which I ask you if you have a final thought. Yeah, um, it was it was interesting. So Ross Atkins did an interview the other day, and he was talking about the injury updates for Pearson. And he's like, this is a good day. It's like, wait, what? Um, he's talking about TJ Zoik being like throwing 96 with power sink. And you know, if he can turn into something, even just like a good relief pitcher, that's, you know, it's more than it seemed like he was going to be. And that would be... Awesome, especially, you know, because he was a guest on this podcast one time. But And also a first-round pick. Yes, he was. So <laughs> it would be really nice if if that happens. I and mean, it looks like it. You know, he might get a shot. He might even be that long man instead of Trent Thornton. Um, I, I, but my, my final thought is, is not, you know, an overwhelming one, but um, it is kind of nice that in, in, a, in a season where a lot of teams are trying to explain themselves like we heard with the Yankees and the luxury tax uh, or, um, you know, the Dodgers trying to explain how Trevor Bauer fits with the team culture or, um, you know, Colorado trying to explain anything at all about what they're doing. Uh, The Blue Jays seem to be trying to win baseball games. And the number of times I've sat here with you during this week you know, in March, and we've discussed something that involved the words payroll parameters and why we're sitting in the in the boat that we're in. Um, it got frustrating after a while, and it's kind of weird that that that's not even part of the conversation. But I would just want people to know that I like it because I think this is more or less the way a competitive baseball team is supposed to behave. Yes, I agree. So kudos to the Blue Jays for. Trying to win all the time. Will it last many, many years? I don't know, but I can hope. That is to say, uh, I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and our guest was Stacey Gotsoulias at Stace Gots on Twitter. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 196, and we'll talk at you next week.